0: Hello, welcome to the Recovered AF Podcast. My name is Aaron and um, now I have a friend. His name is Kyle. He's going to say something.
1: Yeah, hey, uh, we are not affiliated in any way at all whatsoever at all with any 12-step organization. (laughs) Uh, Like we always say, we're just a couple of dudes and tonight a couple more dudes uh, that are going to share our experience about whatever comes up during the hour or so that we're talking
0: yeah, that's right. Tonight we're gonna try something different. It's going to be a rec-table discussion.
1: A rectangle? Yeah. Is be- that a
0: new word? Well, we're not at a round table, <laughs> okay. so it has to be a rec-table. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we have a couple of friends here with us, but before before we uh, introduce our buddies, we uh, have to give a shout out because we finally got a couple of emails. This week. And uh, that second one you got, what was the second one we got? Was it from Tracy, right? Yeah, Tracy. Yeah.
1: She's uh, my ex's mom and then happens to be good friends with Megan's
0: dad's wife. Okay. <laughs> That's not confusing. Anyway, so that was a really nice email. So we have to give a shout out to uh, Tracy and thank her for that email. And then the first, our very first emailer came in, uh, very, um, what I'm assuming is a lovely lady named Shay emailed the show, yeah, and uh, and she she told us, uh, she gave us some in, in, inside information about one of our guests tonight. And so, um, well, first, um, our first guest is Ryan, and uh, you guys, Ryan was on the show a few weeks ago and told his story, so welcome back, Ryan. What's up, guy? Hey, guys. And then uh, our other guest is, uh, is new and- um, New to the show, not yeah. new. Yeah, that's right, new yeah. to the show. And uh, his name is Jason, and he's also got a maybe brief career as an underpants model. Is that right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nothing like being on the spot. He's
0: speechless. <laughs> uh,
2: well, in my defense, man, um, I'll just say uh, I think everybody makes them questionable decisions early on in their sobriety <laughs> sobriety so we'll just leave it at that
3: yeah
1: shout out to shay for giving us that inside scoop on jason yeah, and being our first email thanks for that yeah i'm my, sure jason's super appreciative of that my lock of hair is uh in the mail <laughs> yeah congratulations
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, <man. laughs>
1: so what's up man you said you wanted to talk about something what do you want to talk about
0: well, so the thing I was thinking about, so, you know, when we do our, like, Wednesday night thing, we talk about something sort of specific. And um, the thing that had been crossing my mind because I was working with a new guy and I was talking to him about um, um, conceptions of God. And so, I guess, let me back this up a little. We found a lot of people that listen to our show aren't in a 12-step recovery program, so that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, like, uh, um, as a result of that, maybe maybe it would be a good idea to explain some things as our literature lays them out for people that might be listening, or maybe even if we've got some friends in the program that have, um, I guess, not had the experience of going through this as thorough. But so one of those things is we were, you know, hopefully talk about God in this program a lot. Um, But one thing our literature states is to uh, each person that it says when we, it says, first of all, that we need not consider another's conception of God and that when we speak to you we're then therefore speaking to you about your conception of God and so that that's a pretty um, that's a pretty wide and varying thing among our members I guess Um, and so that's just was something that had been rolling around in our mind that you know like we're sitting here talking about God but all four of us might have a very different conception of God. Yeah, I would. I would agree. <laughs> okay, I would agree with that. Thanks for taking that ball and rolling with it. Yeah, this is gonna go well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would say though that. Um, I. I think. Um, pe- different
0: people come from different. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well,
0: this is so we don't do any post-production we just throw this shit out there <laughs> yeah or yeah we don't have we don't we have any pre-production meetings either we just sort of spitball and go with it and hopefully things get to rolling and unfortunately that's not really working out for us tonight and there's no editing either so this is what it is yep. um, I don't know I guess the reason why I wanted to talk about that though is because I had a new guy and he was talking about and what he believed that there was you know an energy of the universe and I was like perfect fantastic that'll work just fine. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I get a little weird about it because I just had such a, um, when I got here, I just had such an opposition to the idea of God at all. And I had been turned off, um, to the idea of God by people that I considered to be zealots. And, um, and so then I'm here all the time talking about God and it's just, I guess I just have a little thing up about it you know so whatever that conception is to me it just is that conception but I don't know did you guys did you guys have any trouble with that at all when you got here or you guys were just like yeah it's cool whatever I'm down with the god thing or what was what was what was your ex your, your what was your experience um,
3: let's see <clears throat> I was uh, well I had a lot of prejudice when I got here um, I guess when I, when I was younger, I, I had a uh, specific, I guess you could say definition for God um, that was kind of fed to me um, that I didn't really understand. Uh, and so, I mean, if, if somebody would have told me that I was going to come into a program and that the focus would be on God, I uh, don't know if I would have gone this route you know I I don't know I don't know if I would have given it a shot Um, now it was almost like just the word like the word instantly associated things from my past with it and it was um, that I was prejudiced against just the word itself Uh, and yeah now now I get excited when I get to be in a room with people and talk about God Um, it, it no longer has the same meaning for me, not even close. Um, but I, 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 I mean, I don't know. I still consider myself uh, maybe agnostic at times. Like, I, I don't know what it is. Power of the universe sounds good. Um, I feel like if I if I knew and I could understand it and wrap my head around it, then... Uh, you know, my, my little human brain, then it wouldn't be that powerful, I guess is my take.
2: Yeah, I mean, I grew up in organized religion, too, so I at least had an idea of what God was to me. Um, but I think early on, I was I was pretty upset with Him, I guess is a good way to put it. And uh, I know for me, like my very first meeting, it, the God topic was brought up. And that actually turned me off pretty hard for a while, um, but you know, as you progress in the program and um, you really get to understand that everybody, I guess, gets to choose their own conception of it. I think that's that's kind of the most amazing thing about this to me is um, I, I don't actually give a fuck what your conception is, right? Because I I have a relationship with my God and mm-hmm. I get to build that relationship, and it doesn't have to look like yours. It doesn't have to to feel like yours it's it's mine and that's my relationship i think that's a it's a pretty cool deal
1: yeah um <clears throat> like when i when i came to 12 step programs uh, it's pretty open ended you know like it and it it even references just a power greater than yourself it doesn't even have to be god in the conventional sense of like how how people might view it you know and i think um that's the difference between like other things and 12 step programs is the fact that uh cuz like when I came here I was like I don't know like the god thing I just I don't know I'm a lot like Ryan like I just I don't know but uh I'm I'm pretty hopeless at that point so like I'm willing to believe in whatever you know what I mean and uh, I guess like that open endedness for me still hasn't changed like I still when we talk about a conception of God, I still don't really have a clear-cut conception of God of like, oh yeah, he looks like this, or it does this, or it's the spirit of the universe. Like, I don't really know. I just know that there's something that's greater than me, and I just work on building a relationship with that. I know that sounds fucking weird, but for me, like, if I get too into the details of it, then I start thinking that shit's fake. Like, that's just my experience.
0: No, that's the same. The more I try and figure it out, the the worse idea that is for me um, because it just doesn't make any sense logically. <laughs> so yeah. the more time I spend thinking about what the hell it could be, then um, it's a bad idea for me. Yeah. I'll talk my way out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've all three told our stories about, like, you know, how we what we were like when we got here. And since you haven't been on here before, maybe you could talk about um, – you talked about how that you were, um, pretty angry with God. And I know from hearing your story that you experienced, you know, quite a bit of loss, um, at some bad time, some bad timing with that, you know, with some family members. And so could you maybe just tell the people listening why it is you were so upset with God when you got here and maybe a little bit about what started to soften that edge?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think what kind of started that whole ball rolling for me was, um, when I was in ninth grade, uh, my best friend and my Aunt Karen um, passed away the day I, I got confirmed. And that's like, you know, it's a big thing in my church. And I just remember sitting there thinking, um, how could you, if there is a God, on this day, like, how could you take that person from me? And that's, that's something that stuck with me for a long time. Um, you know, I had friends commit suicide. Um... I joined the military, I saw some more heartache and some more loss there, and um, got to see some some parts of the world that really made me question um, how there could be a God with some of that stuff going on, and um, that really just continued. Uh, at one point, I actually had a gun in my mouth, and I pulled the trigger, and um, I guess that was kind of the turning point. But it wasn't until later. Initially, I was like, obviously no God, because I want to die now, and he would have had mercy on me. So um, you know, later on, I, I think you look back and um, kind of count your blessings. I think when, when I really started working the program and working the steps and really just seeing the miracles in the room uh, that were happening in other people's life, that's kind of what, what opened me back up to the idea that there's, there's got to be something bigger than me out there. Because that dude is fucked, and he's getting better. <laughs>
0: Um, and then also too, like we have a similar experience, you and I of, um, maybe trying to do this deal without God. Um, like for me, it was like, I, I went through the the work and had this spiritual experience, but then like, um, somehow lost sight of that. And, um, I don't know, I guess it could be called, considered like going through the motions in which I was like doing the work, but, um. I was doing it to look good um, to the people around me, and I was doing it to sound good, and I was doing it to be better than other people that I perceived doing it wrong. But your thing was a little bit maybe different than that. But you talked about like trying to get through the work while evading the God thing, and that not really maybe.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess my stance on it initially was I was going to approach it like uh, I'd work the steps, but I wasn't going to pray at all um and it basically just turned into reading what was in the book and kind of writing it out to an extent and um made it super easy to lie to myself and other people um so i really didn't get get much out of the work and i ended up drinking again because of it and uh actually i was five it took me i came back and started working the steps again and uh told myself I would try it with God this time. And, you know, just I'd gotten so miserable. So I I started trying it with God, and about five months into it, um, I remember sitting in a bathroom with some pain pills. Five months over, ready to die again. And uh, that that was kind of it for me, man. It was that point where I just said, I can't do this by myself. And that's really what, what opened the door to the God thing for me.
1: I'm gonna kind of turn this into the like a Wednesday thing do you guys um, how much time do you spend on the second step that's kind of what we're talking about and the second step in our in our literature in our program talks about finding a power greater than me that can solve my problem and um, when you're working with others how much time do you guys spend talking about that
2: so because of my experience um, I don't I don't spend a whole lot of time if they, uh, you know, express that willingness to believe in something bigger than them, cool, man, we're moving on. Mm-hmm. And I guess the reason I do that is because I know for me, um, the work is what really, I guess, helped me. Uh, Reveal that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Ryan, what about you?
3: It depends on the guy, really. If it's somebody that's absolutely, you know, against the whole idea, then I'll, I'll go through. Uh, the chapter that deals specifically with this, and and <clears throat> if not, I I hit on a few things. Um, lack of power was our dilemma. I make sure and mention that, uh, and I I usually go through the bedevilments as well. Um, but if somebody's expressing that they're you know they're down with it, they're willing to believe in something, um, then I don't really see a reason to spending too much time going through that
0: mm-hmm. marty sorry we're also watching ufc so <laughs> kind of <laughs> yeah i got a little distracted
1: these dudes just keep throwing spinning elbows back yeah and they're, forth.
0: Uh, <laughs> they're, getting, they're they're getting out there they no ground game going on here <laughs> no um no ground fighting um so yeah like i always um sometimes like when i would I'd be asked this question i'd be like you know but and then I would start to answer about like what it was like if I had an agnostic, but I've never had any agnostics like everybody everybody I've ever worked with has had at least a willingness to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the most recent one when we met um, what we talked about he, he basically told me what his conception of a higher power was, and I was like that's great um, but I sort of reverted it back to step one in that all right, so if you don't have the power if you don't have the power to um if you don't have the power to keep yourself sober, then this is why we're enlisting this power greater than ourselves, right? If we if we don't have the power to keep ourselves sober, then we're gonna need a power greater than ourselves that's gonna do that for us. Um, and so then when in the, when when we got to the second step, I just I guess this last time talked about our necessity for that maybe, but it was a super quick because he already had the willingness to believe, and you know, in our literature, it's like you know one sentence. Do you do you or are you even willing to yeah, I do you now or even you willing to, and I don't really need to like again, because of my experience trying to figure it out what it might look like and how that always fucked me i didn't I don't really want them to try and figure it out either, and like this last time there's one part later in the book where it says, so long as it makes sense to you and like when I got back this time um i uh the conception maybe I had of God before was like a scorekeeper and that didn't that wasn't that just that messed me up a lot and so this time around the conception that I started with was sort of like a big brother figure and I don't have a big brother but I imagined if I did that that he would probably look out for me and keep me safe and keep me out of scraps and get my back but also maybe you know kicking me in the ass when I needed it so like that's just what I started with and it worked pretty well and then I never out thought it past that but so yeah I don't have to spend a lot of time with them if they have a conception then I'm like okay that's your conception and that's yeah. what we're gonna go with
1: yeah because I, I don't even ask about their conception like I'm just like are you willing to believe and the moment they say yeah we march on like I because I, I don't really care about their conception you know what I mean like yeah. for me the only thing that you need is willingness and that never changes. Like So I was just curious if you guys do more than I do, because I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, we'll read the first paragraph of that chapter that talks about we need a spiritual experience, and then I read the paragraph on the next page that says, like, how are we going to find that?
3: Yeah.
1: And that's the point of this book. And then I'm like, okay, do you believe in something, or are you willing to? Yeah, onward, but...
3: I mean, I did have, at one point I had uh, somebody that really was like, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but somebody that's just totally against it and, and then trying to go through, uh, the agnostics and like the way that, (laughs) the way that it's written is makes it hard for me to understand sometimes, like. Uh, with my my little brain, like I was alluding to earlier, <laughs> but uh, I mean, it was um, it, quite the experience. I don't know if you got reading
1: through, through we agnostics with someone,
3: uh, having somebody that's just not willing to believe and just fighting it and arguing every point. And
1: you you went through we agnostics with them. I did. Wow that's more than i do <laughs> right, I, I move nice. on <laughs> yeah. okay. if you're not willing to believe okay. i'm out of here yeah like that's a for me for me that's a thing that uh i believe alcohol and drugs does is make you willing but but i that's just cuz i've never had experience doing it you Maybe had to dude why.
0: you had to do change his mind
3: no no he didn't oh. change his mind no. okay
0: <laughs> so then wait. So, so then i'm what happened then is that just where you guys stopped you're like well you're not willing, and so – or, like, do you just keep on rolling and, like, hope that, like, after he has an experience? I don't know. I, I guess I don't know what I would do. Like I, that's why I'm asking you. What What did you do?
3: And, oh, he, he lost interest in me after that whole – Yeah. You know.
1: oh. That sounds like what my sponsor would say is, like, you just keep trying, and he'll just lose interest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So kudos to you because I usually am like, whatever, man. Like, that's not my job to convince you, so I'm out. And so – Good for you for doing that. Maybe I'll try that.
3: Give her a <laughs> shot. Yeah.
2: I I had a pretty similar experience actually with uh the first guy I tried to sponsor and uh yeah, basically we, we sat down, he asked me uh what my experience in the program was and in my experience with God. And uh I got done sharing my experience and he pretty much broke up with me on the spot. So, <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right. Well, super. <laughs> yeah. wow. Good luck.
1: That's cool. At least when I when I when a guy doesn't want to work with me anymore, it's usually like uh, this long <laughs> drawn out thing where it's like, oh yeah, I can't meet this week. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm busy, sorry. <laughs> and then it just drags out forever. So at least he was just like clean break. I'm out of here, bro. Yeah, I'd love a clean break. <laughs> yeah, I'm always crossing my fingers, and instead <laughs> I'm like, the fuck, man. This has been going on for three months. I'm out.
0: Um. Your sponsor was saying how that group that he got um sober in, they they're new peop they new people when they came through, they basically tried to convince the new people that they weren't Yeah, that's <laughs> one of us. Yeah, and they and try they to convince them to leave. leave. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like I should probably run my shit like that. <laughs> <From> <laughs> yeah. My... Yeah. But for real though, the last time that I was in this deal before, you know, um I was sort of the reformer, and I was like, we're going to get through to these people, you know? And I was just like animated all the time, and I was ready to save some lives. And that never worked out any really well. You know, I'd like, I'd go in, I'd go into one of our meetings, and I'd be like, I'd just lay it down, you know, and I'd, you know, hit it off the tee, and I'd hit it out, and I'd be like, all right. And I'm dropping microphones, and then, the, you know, to help the new person. And then, uh, and then, and then he would. Really be drawn to somebody that was not me, and I couldn't figure it out. And I'm like, well, life, whatever, whatever. Then I mean, I'm just he's just not ready for it, the message or something, you know, like just whole fucking ego and ridiculousness. And um yeah, so that didn't work. Yeah, yeah, but they got a little off track. I used to I way uh, off the track.
1: I used to do that a lot though too. I'd be all frustrated why someone wouldn't be. Knocking at my door like, dude, I need what you've <laughs> It's like, because I'm a fucking asshole That's why. That's what I had to realize about myself was like, oh, yeah, at that time of my life, I was a dick. So I don't think anybody was very interested in that. So now what? Whatever you want, dude. We're only 20 minutes. <laughs> this the, one seems like it's dragging a little. Yeah, yeah, the last
3: time I was here seemed to go a lot faster. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's because you were talking the whole time, Ryan. I, well, I just, yeah.
1: So I met with a dude today. Um, What do you guys do when you're meeting with a dude for the first or second time? It's like the first time I meet with someone, it's usually like a feel-out process. And then the second time, I used to have like a strict regimen of what we were going to do. I don't really have that anymore. But what do you guys do with, with the guys that you're working with, like on your initial meetings?
2: yeah i I kind of do the feel out thing too for the first one and then um i found early on like i was i was extremely rigid in my approach with my sponsees and uh you know that didn't tend to work out too well so um i, I really just kind of pray about it and then um say kind of whatever happens and really just feel it out obviously i have some go-to pages doctor's opinion and and whatnot that w- We definitely read through the first time, but, um, yeah, I just kind of let, let them and, and their reactions and God kind of guide what I'm doing.
1: Yeah. Cause that was my thing was, uh, I used to go in and be like, all right, we're going to do steps one, two, and three in this first hour and a half that we're meeting. And, um, like today was probably the most efficient and effective second meeting I've ever had with someone. And I had no agenda. I was just like, we're just going to meet. And he was like, what are we going to do? What do I need to do? And I was like, I don't really know, man. (laughs) Like, let's, let's say this prayer. And uh, then we'll just start talking. And then we just kind of talked and it was much more, um, yeah, fluid. That's a big thing I've been working on recently is like being more flexible and fluid and stuff. And it was, I mean, we got through the first three steps because like we were just talking and then we're talking about his experience and what he's like when he's drinking and what happens when he drinks and have you ever tried to control your drinking? What did that look like? Have you ever tried to stop drinking entirely? What did that look like? Have you ever done this? Have you, you know, and like we're just talking about his experience and then I go, okay, that sounds like you're pretty physically and mentally different. He's like, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) do you think that you're an alcoholic? And he's like, yes. Okay, cool. That's like the first step for me, you know. And then we just kind of kept marching on. And then, yeah, it was much more uh, driven by the spirit and not so much driven by what I think needs to get accomplished, which was cool.
0: You talk. Um,
3: <laughs> me, my turn. I so I guess the um, well, I've got five guys right now, and. All five. F-
0: Protege <laughs> hug. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
3: totally. I'm totally being humble about this. So. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess in the in this situation, all five of them, I knew uh, because of the treatment center. So I I I knew a lot of their story already, and um, they knew a lot of my story already. So the initial. Um, sit down kind of wasn't necessary you know so um, the guys that have asked me this time you know I I ask them the basic stuff you know like are you willing to do go to any lengths uh, are you willing to meet this time this time and this time um, and then we just kind of dive in I don't know I one of the guys uh, we read the whole book first first hundred sixty four pages um and the other four i have read chunks but not the whole thing i just i guess yeah i I used i before i was kind of rigid and like this is how you do it and trying to fit every every sponsee to that model doesn't really work out that great i found so i'm trying to just kind of go with the flow just let god guide it really Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Marty? Yeah, I'm having a similar experience. I, um, this last guy that I met with, I didn't even open the book, which is something I never thought, you know, because it was the same thing. I've got the same pages, you know, about the phenomenon of craving and reading a little bit about about what the mental obsession might look like. And, um, or guys before that I had sponsored, we would just start it, you know, start at the title page and go through the book. And, um, Like I would just look up and their eyes at some most of the hour would be glazed over most of the time you know even if I was trying to dig experience out it's just I don't know anyway so um, this last time what I did was I just Red Bull Um, this last last time what I did is I just went and did basically what you said I talked to him so he's one of he's like me so I talked to him about his using and what that looked like and um his attempts to try and stop and any attempts to try and control it and um like I don't know this is the one thing that I've been I don't know like our you know literature says that um one of us with the that's well armed with the facts about themselves can win the trust of another in minutes I think something I'm my a few hours, yeah, a few hours, and um so sometimes I think that's important about like you know, because I guess based on my experience, I sat in a meeting when I was twenty and re- said I was an alcoholic, but I didn't really have any idea why or what I just thought it was had to do with like the circumstances of my life, and that I kept getting in trouble, and that um my family was quite upset with me, and those things, and today that's not my understanding of what makes me an addict. Um, It's my, you know, mental and physical condition that's driven by a spiritual, underlying spiritual condition, and so sometimes I try and find the balance of like how much of that information a new person needs to know, Mm -hmm. and I guess, and so I went over that a little bit, and I'm like, the reason why I'm asking these questions is because you know I know that you come into these meetings and you say that you're an addict, but. at least as far as our literature concerned, what makes us that. And so then we went through that a little bit about why I was asking him if he'd tried to stop and why I'd asked him if he'd, you know, how he reacted to the drug physically. And hmm. and uh, so, yeah, so we went through that. And then the, we briefly just touched on the second step that I just talked about, you know. And then a the third step, like one thing that I used to do, and maybe, I don't know, you guys have this experience based, you know, go on and on about selfishness and self-centeredness and the third step and being the root of our problems. But it didn't really sink into anybody until they wrote inventory. Right. So I'm like over here trying to beat this into their head and beat it into their head and beat it into their head. And um, then I found that to be a useless waste of time until they write an inventory anyway. But what it does say is like we thought well before taking this vital or saying this prayer, or taking this step, you know, making sure we are, you know, ready to abandon ourselves utterly so and now maybe what I do more on the third step is like like if you say this prayer this is what this might look like this is what this might mean. it means maybe your life is no longer your business kind of a thing which again is probably hard to fully grasp but I do more of that now than trying to smash home the selfishness and self-centeredness
1: yeah I um <clears throat> I usually read like those three pages but the thing that I'd try to just discuss is that the first words it says the first requirement is that we be convinced any life run on self-will can hardly be a success because if I'm convinced my life isn't going to be successful if I'm running the show then that means there's room for someone else to run the show and so that's really all I discuss is like this is how it looks like when I'm trying to run the show and I'm you know I'm I'm the actor trying to be the director, and I'm arranging life and all this stuff, and that doesn't work. So I'm convinced that that doesn't work. And after that, more will be revealed through inventory and everything else of how that doesn't work. But really, we just need to be convinced that that does not work and that maybe that
0: power will work. And then I move forward, usually. Did you get paid for the uh, modeling gig? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's a <laughs> change of Just pace.
3: That in there. <laughs> yeah. well,
0: I thought he was gonna fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. This might not be the most exciting episode. This is more technical. <laughs> we'll use that
1: technical. Yeah, uh,
3: I, like, I like technical. I got free clothes.
2: Okay. So I didn't get money. Done. Yeah. That's done deal.
1: No brainer, dude. Yeah.
2: I got like thirty pairs of jeans so probably more than most women
1: and jason could probably lift a small car as well yeah. like ryan can he's a large he's a large man yeah he could probably lift a a Volkswagen beetle as well yeah i don't know why we're talking
0: about this i would do it just for the attention really i'm i don't i'm not i'm not shy to attention
2: i don't know man it sounds really cool um which is why i did it and then uh you actually get up there and do it. And I i guess I'll just say I have a lot more respect for women and probably what they feel like when dudes are just kind of gawking at It was It's super uncomfortable, dude. Never You're just a piece of meat. Yeah, basically.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's just how I thought I assumed people looked at you all the time, though, <laughs> <laughs> at least the ladies. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're 34 (laughs) minutes in. (laughs) Uh, So the first rectangle discussion is going pretty well? Super good. Yeah. Super good.
3: I think think so. Okay. You like it? Well, yeah.
1: It's pretty technical. Yeah, it's good though. Okay. I don't really have anything else to say though. Do you have something you want to talk about? (laughs) Do you have another thing you want to kick out?
0: No. (laughs) (laughs) What, uh, what, so we talked, well, we might as well just keep going through the progression. What do you take through, your guys through when you get to the third step? Like, what's the thing that you touch on is, or do you guys, oh, the other thing is like I hear a lot of people that get down and they um, kneel on the ground and hold hands and say the prayer and I just am too awkward a person to do that. So they just, I say it and they repeat it after me. That's pretty much how we do it. But anyway, what...
2: I, I kind of focus on uh, the self-will thing, and you know, we just kind of walk through their experience, and you know, just ask them straight up, "How's, how's it working when when you're making the decisions?" And that's uh, for most people pretty good evidence that maybe they should try something different. Mm-hmm. I think that works really well.
3: Um, well, on the on the first step, I, I also go over the the crux the why is it that he takes his first drink or or drug um and that after a long period that i I just make sure that they're aware that like this means that we don't do this ever again like uh abstinence is the only answer for us um and then on on three i uh, i go through the actor stuff and relate it to things that i do um i I do that because I think it's fun to watch the expressions on their face when I start going through that stuff. Um, you know, some guys some guys get it and agree, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do that. And then some guys kind of refuse to acknowledge that they might do that, um, try to run the whole show and be manipulative and, and all that stuff. And And I mention the selfishness. Uh, part of it but I also tell them um, you know you're you're not gonna really get this until we go through the rest of the work and and I didn't either like I remember when I went through that it was like okay you know I'm not selfish I do all kinds of stuff for people type of an attitude and the, the prayer depends on the guy Depends on how awkward I think it's going to be. I never hold hands with anybody, but sometimes on on one knee or, or on on our knees, saying it together. It it, it depends. You
0: Tim Tebow it.
3: Sometimes we Tim Tim Tebow. Tim- so tim- so does Marty. Yeah.
0: I Tim Tebow in the back of my work truck when I do a ten step.
3: It depends on how many cars I've lifted and my, if my knees are sore. <laughs> yeah. I uh
1: don't. I just read the prayer. And the guy, I just say, let's go, let's read this together. I don't get on our knees or anything. I personally get on my knees and pray in the morning, but I, yeah. I don't, I don't tell anyone they need to. I'll share my experience because I didn't pray on my knees for like the first nineteen months that I was sober, and then one day I did, <laughs> and it, it was a game changer for me. So I'll share that, but I, I don't like, hey, let's get on our knees and pray because that's, I don't know. I feel like that's getting too involved <laughs> maybe that's just in my own head but i just i'm like if you want to do it go for it if you don't want to do it don't do it i didn't do it
0: for 19 months and i eventually did but i don't know the the other thing i that came to mind was um that last one when we got to the third step to drive home the point of um of um needing to enlist the help of a power greater than ourselves um i basically told the kid like if you were if you were if you were making good decisions and you were a good decision maker you probably wouldn't be in this shitty treatment center in this shitty place yeah like this is where it's got you this is why we have to try something else because all and everything you've done and you I mean, he's a smart kid for all of your intelligence and your work ethic and everything you've done in your life has led you to this shitty treatment center and that he, like, I could see. He was like, "Oh, he was looking a little, maybe a little embarrassed." But he was like, "Yeah, that's probably right." Yeah, yeah that's,
1: because um, like it says, it says like, <clears throat> your life is hardly a success. And like, for me, that doesn't mean that I'm never successful. It just means that like, if you were to sum up my life in a whole, like, it, it wasn't very successful. You know, like, because like for me, that was a hard thing to. Because, like, at different times in my life, I have been successful in different areas. But as a result of drinking, my life at that point is not successful anymore. And so, like, yeah, despite my best efforts, I always end up kind of causing chaos again. You know, does that make sense? Because it, I don't know, you you don't have to be a complete fucking failure, piece of shit, scumbag, nobody to get sober. Like, there's different times in my life where, like, I've been an alright person but I still ended up like as a whole
0: my life was pretty fucking chaotic and you you struggle with that a little bit right because you had had a, a career and an education and and succeeded and accomplished things so your idea of what an alcoholic was wasn't really what was going on in your life because you were having success right
2: yeah I mean that's basically what I told myself through college right so I had this this career in the military and um, went to school for engineering and uh, yeah, I, I had basically had myself convinced that alcoholics do not succeed in the ways that I'm succeeding. Um, and I definitely share that with people uh, when I'm working with them. I think, you know, sharing my experience with those steps and, and kind of walking them through, um, I guess the progression I had to go through to get to the point where it was like, yeah, man, I, you know, I'm an alcoholic is, is big for him. But Yeah, the the internal condition, I think, for me, was the big thing. It was like by all outward appearances, um, I was a a successful guy. Um, I had friends, I had family, I had all these things around me. Um, And I was absolutely miserable to the point where I had a gun in my mouth two days after graduation. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that's really crucial to discuss because there's just like a preconceived idea like... The drunk under the bridge or whatever and um you know everybody everybody's point where they are willing to pick up this program is different and like i i used to use that as like a way to separate from people like well that guy fucking isn't one of us because he's doing all right you know what i mean and like that's not the case at all like i guess like for me even you know like i've had points like aaron and i talked about in my life like at one point on the outside, you would think I was doing pretty well as well, you know, and then eventually on the outside, I wasn't doing well again, but like, that, that doesn't have to be, uh, that's not the, the deal, like, external shit isn't the deal, you know, and like, I can get really wrapped up in my, my life doesn't appear like that guy's life, so either A, I'm not one of us, or that guy is, you know, and that's not the case, like, Aaron and I have I don't. I hate the term bottom, but Aaron and I have different bottoms. Just like you have a different bottom, and so does Ryan. But like all of us have found the common solution. I think is what I'm trying to say. I think
3: he has an underwear
0: model bottom. (laughs) 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 I I think that uh, I think that uh, Jason hit it on the head when he talked about the it's you know that internal condition that drives us to um, try and get out of there. Like I struggle with that too because, again, I—I I mean, my wife had left the last time, but I still managed to maintain employment. Um, and one thing that I guess that was done different for me this time with my sponsor is, um, he flipped over to the to the bedevilments that Ryan talked about, and he was like, "If one or more of these apply, then you're good, right?" And he talked about that being unmanageability but uh if i had to wait the problem is is i fear and i don't know but i fear that if i had to have lost all of those things and become homeless in order to qualify for this fellowship i would just off myself because you talked about your career being your identity and so is mine and like the fact that i could have a career and you know the wife was gone if the career was gone too then like I would have thought that that reflected out of me as a person that's just completely inept and what the hell is the point. And I'm not, again, I'm not really one on putting forth a lot of effort. And so to start from that kind of bottom, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to speculate and share opinion, but I mean, I didn't lose all of those things and I was close to, you know, killing myself. And I've heard too many stories like Jason's of people being sober for a long period of time without the solution, without being into the work and, being completely suicidal, mm-hmm. so yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep.
3: Yeah, I I had spent ye- years, t- uh, twelve years, just working crappy jobs, paycheck to paycheck, um and And I guess, in my situation, like i was i had convinced myself you know told myself this lie that that's that was all that I was ever gonna I was never gonna get any any kind of a good uh career i guess a career of any sort and and then uh I did get a career and and that came about because i um well because of the program because i sobered up and and made a lot of changes and then uh and then when when that went south like i i guess i despite hearing all the time that um the material stuff will not keep me sober i still fooled myself into thinking i could i guess like I, i'm doing real good and if i'm doing this good like then I I can't possibly get out of control like I was before type of a situation Um, and that made it miserable because then I got into a point where it was like the only thing I was hanging on to by a thread was these these external things and and so like it was it was miserable man trying to hold on to that and like defining myself by my job like you've mentioned and and trying to keep that up for appearances, type of a situation.
1: Yeah, when I when I got sober, all of my, because uh, I was this. I think every. I think that's pretty. Not everyone. I think that's a pretty normal thing, though, is to use external shit to avoid looking at reality. You know what I mean? And like when I got sober, all of my external shit collapsed like at once. Like I lost my vehicle. I was supposed to be moving, and I I lost my job. So like I'm homeless and. Uh, I, I don't have a job, and I'm in jail again. And, like, all of this external stuff comes collapsing on top of me all at once, and then, I'm, and then I look at the reality of the situation. But up until that point, I had continued to use external shit to, to prop me up, right? Like, okay, I had a great job, and then I got fired from it. And then I went and got an insurance and an investment license and got hired for fucking multibillion-dollar, like, the biggest company that you can work for doing that. And then eventually got fired and then went work for another company doing the same thing and then got fired and then did it again. And then, then went back to Pepsi. And like, I was always using external shit as like, okay, this, this is going to fix me. This is going to cure me. This is going to be the thing that works this time. This job is the one, this, this girl is the one, this move is the one. And when all of that shit collapses, then I look at the reality of my situation and that collapses in different ways for people, right? Like for Aaron, it's, Amber fucking bailing and your life falling apart and the fear of losing your job and like all of that collapses and then you look at the reality of your situation and for you and for you it's like, I think that the hopelessness you feel there is what propels you into recovery, I think.
2: And even in, even in early uh, recovery, man, like that was a huge driving force for me. Um, so like I said, until, until that second time around and I had five months over, you know, I, I focused on that external shit constantly Mm -hmm. so I went out and got my job I bought my house and I was spending more time with my kids and and doing all these things um, thinking that's I guess what was gonna make me happy and yeah it basically came down to that you know it's the internal condition man that's that's where I struggle that's where I struggled hard in the beginning
0: were you were you like, you were like in the transition phase when you started your path on sobriety? You were, you had, you had you ended your military career and you had already started your engineering career or you were like smack in between?
2: So, yeah, kind of in between, man. So I, I graduated in May and then, uh, um, was going through like a medical discharge in the military and I was kind of at this, uh, this turning point, I'd gotten offered a job down in Houston, Texas that I was gonna take. And then uh you know, I just I couldn't leave my kids, I guess. So I was I was hanging out and I was I was miserable, man. I didn't have the military and I didn't have like I'd just gotten divorced too, so that was it was a super good time in my life. Um yeah, no military, no job, no nothing. No wife. No, nope, no
0: wife. Okay. <laughs> it was awesome. Living large. Yeah. Yeah. It was balling out, dude. yeah. yeah um well so the one thing i guess and i I, this is probably this is just i don't know this is jumping all over the place this isn't really staying on topic but um since you're talking about that and you're talking about um having just gotten a divorce um when you got sober and just being around with your kids um like uh, I like, uh, like one of the things that we wanted to talk about and on this program is the cool shit that happens right the this the, the stuff why we're here and one of my favorite parts of your story is that what you talked about that relationship um, at the beginning of your sobriety with your ex-wife and then what that relationship looks like now will you talk about that
2: yeah absolutely um I mean, when I first got divorced, I was absolutely convinced that she was um, the worst person in the entire world. I uh, was not a fan of her. We were not getting along at all. And then, um, you know, that was really affecting my children too, right? Like, two most important people in their lives, just just not getting along. And, you know, it's, it's the work, and it's God, and it's all the things that come along with this program. Um, for me, the inventory thing was huge, because I remember when I, when I sat down and I invited God into my four step, and I I looked down at that paper, and I'd seen everywhere that I was wrong. All of a sudden, all that stuff um, that I felt like she'd done the wrong me just melted away. I think realizing how much we contribute to basically, at least me, every problem that I had in my life was not... Apparent to me until, until I did that inventory, and then, you know, getting to work through that and, and continuing to work steps, um, that relationship has changed substantially to the point now where, um, you know, I could say honestly that, you know, I love that woman. She's a mother of my, my two kids, and uh, we get along very well. I get along with her husband, and, uh, you know, it, it is just it's an amazing thing.
0: That's the goody, I don't know, that's the stuff, you know, that while we're sitting here talking about all the other shit, you know, we're sitting here talking about how to take a guy through one, or how we, our experience with taking a guy through one through three and sitting around and doing this podcast, but, like, it's because of the stuff like that. It's the stuff like that, and it's not just those things that uh, that have happened in my life. It's um, hearing about all of the stuff that has happened in everybody's life. I don't know, it's... Why I don't know, it's the good stuff. I agree. I could, yeah, I was gonna say something, but yeah, that's the beauty of the program
1: is like you could reconstruct your life, yeah, and then share that with other people.
2: Well, oh, and also, man, like I think that's why I was drawn to this podcast too. I've never listened to one before, you guys. Um, but uh, yeah, dude, like I didn't get sober to be miserable, and there's a lot of times, um. that's kind of what you hear man is how miserable recovery and sobriety can be and um, it is challenging absolutely Um, and it involves a shit ton of work but it's also amazing like my life is pretty damn good today and I'm certainly um, not miserable so yeah it's it's definitely nice to hear the success stories Mm -hmm. because there's a fuck ton of them out there you just don't get to hear about it too much Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that's that's why we're all sitting right here, Mike because it's the stuff is exciting to to be a part of, um, and hopefully, you know, share w- um, with the masses. I guess maybe not the masses. With just the few people that listen to your podcast. <laughs>
0: uh, my wife and Kyle's mom. Yeah. And apparently... Uh, my
3: sister. And Shay. Yeah.
2: She's a smoke show, by the way. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. You guys would like her. Yeah. Maybe have her on.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. We're actually doing pretty good. We have quite a bit of listeners. Oh. <laughs> we're thought, growing. I thought it was just your mom and my wife. <laughs> They've just, they just and keep re-listening to them. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> oh. No, I, we're... It's pretty good now. Oh, okay. We're growing. No, we really have got a lot of positive feedback. Yeah. Uh, a joke, but we've got to really... And the thing that was surprised me, I guess, and is that I try and remember, is just a lot of people that aren't in recovery have been like, hey, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's all been pretty regional and pretty local. Um, it'd be cool to get it out there, but yeah, whatever. I think it's huge, though, um,
2: that people who aren't necessarily in recovery are getting so much out of this like i I think that's one of the things that's been awesome for me to see is um you know people who have family members affected by this stuff can listen in and get to hear some guys um really talk about how wonderful this thing can be
0: i think that's that's huge huge for family too yeah for sure yeah i just assume like i've i talked about like uh I think you know I wasn't very old the first time my family members started going to treatment centers and getting into 12 step programs and so I sort of grew up in that and um had been exposed to it pretty from a pretty young age but your guys is I don't know your guys's family doesn't have any well I guess you do I got a good old drunk dad so. <laughs> yeah. but like did did your family or did your family have any experience with any twelve step programs or did they know like people think like this was a common misconception. People think that we go to classes and that we learn how to be sober in those classes that like it's instructions on how to be sober in class and people that don't have any idea, um, that's just not like I I think, yeah. Anyway, what I'm not gonna ramble. What did your family think about it? Did they have any idea what it was?
2: No, so my grandma was fucking hardcore alcoholic. She actually died of this disease, uh my first year sober. And uh, but yeah no, know uh, no alcoholics anonymous no 12 Step experience none of that
0: at mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. so did they do they do they ever ask you about it Do they know what you're doing or they're just like we don't we don't Jason's just much more tolerable to be around he's not nearly as angry he's not um, punching people in the face unless <laughs> unless they attempt to assault him at a gas station like unless they're asking for it like really asking for it Like, they're just, they don't really, it doesn't really matter to them. You're just a different person, so that's good enough, or?
2: No, um, I mean, they've definitely shown some interest. Like, my mom's read through the big book. Oh, okay. And my dad has uh, done that as well. Oh, okay. Um, So, yeah, they're they're super into it, and I guess what I had to learn early on, too, um, is you can kind of overshare what's going (laughs) on in your program, right? Like, I was trying to to break all this stuff down, and, yeah, there did kind of come a point when my dad was like, hey, man, that's cool. And I love you, and I'm super stoked you're doing this. Um, but uh, well, let's just ease up a bit on the... Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it talks about that in the family afterward a yeah. lot. Like, oh, yeah, I don't need to uh, go into too much depth. And, like, people will be moved by my action more than yeah, my words. That's been my experience is, like, the more I just continue to, to do the thing, people are just like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, bro. Like, keep going, you right. know, and... Some people are more interested than others, but usually the interest comes from like, dude, you're not the same guy you used to be.
2: And the the funniest part there for me is um, what's happened at work. Uh, I think most people would agree I was maybe a little aggressive when I got here, um, and I work in an industry where um, there's just a bu- bunch of alpha males, I guess. But uh, those guys being able to see the the change in me. And then you know, come up and make comments about how, yeah, maybe in a couple of years, you know, when I'm old, I can get in on this twelve step thing
1: too. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. It's a, it's a cool deal. Yeah, I end up dealing with a lot of this at my job, uh, just because people know I don't drink anymore, and they they don't really. I mean, some people know more than others, but they're just like, oh yeah, this guy's having a hard time go talk to Kyle. And so I, I get exposed to some of this stuff at work. And then usually I just kind of pawn them off onto Aaron or whatever, or try to, <laughs> that's pretty much what I do is like, Hey, here's Aaron's number. This is the guy you should talk to. Cause for me, I want to keep my, like, I have a, a role at work that I need to keep a role at work, you know? And like, not that I'm afraid to blend those, but I just don't feel like I am doing people service if I'm
2: their boss, yeah,
1: their boss or whatever, and then like, yeah, bro, like fucking, <laughs> let's roll over to this meeting or whatever. <laughs> you know, like, not that I would be opposed to that. Like, I would give someone a ride if I needed to, so that they could, so I could bring them to meet Aaron or one of you guys or whatever. But like, generally, I, I try to remain hands off at at work. I'll I'll just kind of be like, hey, bro, here's this guy's number. He knows you're gonna call him. Call him. Good on you.
0: <laughs> Work is not maybe the best example for me where I'm practicing these principles in a way that others might be able to see them. I've been, um, <laughs> yeah. I've been told that I have whatever the male whatever the male equivalent of rich, resting bitch face is. That's what I have at work.
1: <laughs> you were really funny yesterday. I was on the phone with you while you're telling this other guy to do your job. <laughs> you're like, hey man, you want to deliver some packages? I'll. <laughs> you can fucking take them. I'm out of here. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, he was about a hundred. Yeah. Too. <laughs> <laughs> And he had a minivan. <laughs> I bet he could have got the job done. So, yeah, that's not the the thing of changing me at work probably. Ha- I was probably, I'm pretty sure I was definitely more mellow under the influence of heavy-duty narcotics at work. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't really so. give a fuck what I was doing. Man. <laughs> do whatever, man. <laughs> you know, I'll do whatever. I'll stay however late. I'm good. Unless I ran out. Yeah, that's all. We're an hour in.
1: And I feel like we've talked about every single fucking thing possible right now. <laughs> so, we covered a lot.
3: Yeah. It's good stuff.
1: It is. you guys have anything else you want to kick out before we wrap it up? I feel bad for Travis to sit over here having to fucking listen to it. We got another guy here who's just sitting here, like, watching us all talk. <laughs> I feel and
0: bad for him. He was like, he was like I'm never going to do that, so don't ask me. And I'm guessing that this hour has only... Reaffirmed.
1: Speaking of which, Travis, do you want to be on? (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, Right on. Well, thanks, fellas, for being on it. Uh, Appreciate you guys being honest and willing and vulnerable and all that shit. Right
0: on. Thanks, man. Thanks for having us.
1: Uh, Aaron, plug our shit.
0: Um, we have an email. It's called um. Recovered AF podcast at gmail.com <laughs> we're an hour in plugging this no one is going to get an hour into this
1: <laughs> maybe they will the last one we said that and I looked at the analytics a bunch of
0: people listen to the whole thing oh so, really yeah I think this is one thing though for you two guys it feels it feels terrible like recording it and then I have to go back and listen to it and I'm like oh it's not that bad it's yeah. the worst recording it like it just feels uncomfortable yeah every single one I've done except for maybe Josh yeah, he's a wordsmith, though. It was just like, yeah, hey, he's hey he's just he's keep he... talking. <laughs> I guess, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Elaine is pretty easy, too. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so they all, they're, it's going to feel terrible. Just go back and listen to it tomorrow or something. It won't be so bad.
2: I didn't feel too bad about it until you guys were like, man, this one sucks. <laughs> no,
1: it doesn't suck. <laughs> Some of them just, like Josh's, felt really normal. And this one, I think, is probably just a little, like the one you and I did. Why are we doing this on the microphone? <laughs> <laughs> freestyling. Yeah. The one we did the other other weekend though over the tenth step kind of felt like this too though, where it's like kinda of technical and awkward yeah. and you're talking about a lot. But then I re-listened to it and was like, That's actually pretty fucking good. yeah so,
0: that's exactly yeah. what happened. There's that um yeah, I felt like the like the public radio monotone most boring person alive kind of thing going on. And then I went back and listened to it and I'm yeah. I was just gonna keep going more, but I think we're good. (laughs) This one
1: thing leads to another. This dude that's coming up is a fucking baller. This fighter, Jalen Turner, he's a beast. So that's what we're gonna end on. All right. (laughs)